0: Welcome to BNB Books and Banter, a podcast where we are currently reading through Brendan Sanderson's
1: Stormlight Archive. This is Linda. And I'm Sarah. We're currently reading the first book, The Way of Kings. Today, we continue with Kaladin and discuss chapter 11, Droplets.
0: I do want to talk about this quote because it sounds very interesting. Three of sixteen ruled, but now the broken one reigns. Sixteen. What does that number refer to?
1: 16 of what?
0: Right, I thought we had, what, 12 radi- twelve heralds and 12 orders, but now we're saying there's 16.
1: 16 of something.
0: 16 of something.
1: And who's the broken one? Because that's in capitals. Capital B and capital O.
0: Yep, agreed. And of the three, right? three of the 16 rule, but there's one kind of reigning supreme over them all. Mm. So is it He's this person, not or the broken one, not part of the original 16.
1: Or is the broken one one of the
0: one of the three
1: 13?
0: Oh, hmm.
1: Who didn't like the fact that he wasn't part of the three?
0: I hope we find out.
1: Yeah, um, there's especially with the quotes, there's a lot of references that th- there's no context for.
0: Well, it seems like it's referring to the big battle that took place, that last big desolation, right? Mm. And the results of it, because that was the one where they did things differently.
1: Yeah. But we still have no idea what 16 refers to, or the fact that three of the 16 ruled. What did they rule exactly? Yeah. It, this is like, this. Is, it's all that kind of context that we don't have.
0: Yeah. A mystery.
1: Mm-hmm. Chachanan, is that a place?
0: I would assume so.
1: Let me open the map.
0: <laughs> is it a big enough town or city?
1: Okay, so looking at the map of Alethkar, uh, that that place is not there. Mm-hmm. So let's look at the big map.
0: <laughs> I should just buy you that big map. Think you could just look up.
1: <laughs> I would actually just put it on my wall, just Except- to constantly reference it.
0: Yeah, you no, know, we're going to be in this world for the next year or two. Or more. Or more.
1: Mm, okay, I cannot find this place on the map.
0: Okay. Well then, let's finally talk about Kaladin.
1: Mm. So yes, back with Kaladin in the present day. And he he's talking about like mon- mundane things. He talks about the fact that a high storm has passed the fact that the Bridgemen only have one blanket. It's all these passing references to things that are happening around him.
0: Yeah. I I feel like even just the way this whole part has been written out, is like, kind of blasé about it. Yeah. It's just kind of like statement, my wandering thoughts, and it's just yeah, it's just a blasé attitude, and he's just kind of given up.
1: Yeah, yeah. the way it's written is very much a... He's almost just kind of like just observing mm-hmm. what's happening around him without any thought about actively participating in anything.
0: Mm-hmm. Like he's not invested in anything. Yes,
1: yes. And when he actually goes outside and complains about the fact that he has beard, which is...
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which makes sense because we've seen his mentor state up until this point, right, where he doesn't even know the passage of time. It's barely in him to, you know, eat his meals and do his thing and he's so numb to the point where he's just like, Well, everything's everybody's left me, you know, I've got nothing left and I'm just here, so he's barely scraping
1: by. Like he's just existing. Mhm. And he comes across gas. And obviously, Gaz, being the wonderful person that he is, Yes. Um, refers to him as your lordship, which you know, obviously, yeah. in a sarcastic way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Gaz is collecting newly infused spheres. Right. Kaladin refers to the fact that there are actually safer ways to infuse spheres. Why is Gaz leaving the man in the high storm? Right. If he is so high and mighty. Gaz treats him very badly.
0: Well, I mean, Gaz is just trying to get a rise out of him, right? He's like, what are you doing? Storm you? I would have strung you up. Like, are you trying to steal? Like, he's out to pick a fight like Gaz is. And Kaladin's just like looking at him and doesn't even really interact with him.
1: Yeah, it kind of doesn't. It feels like it doesn't even reach Kaladin.
0: Exactly. And Gaz now understanding what he's about to do, at least leaves him that last little bit of dignity. Right. I don't know if it's dignity, but.
1: Well, not really, because he insists he takes off his sandals and vest because he's yeah. not bothered going down into the chasms to pawn them back.
0: Yeah, but at least Gaz doesn't continue, like, trying to pick on him and try to beat him down <laughs> yeah. because he realized this person's already broken.
1: Yeah, he does shut up after that. <laughs> so. Yeah. There's no point in him wasting breath when he knows that he's already broken. Yep. But yeah, Kaladin then heads off to the honor chasm without his sandals or vest.
0: Right. So the thing that I'm interesting is it's like as soon as he kind of moves down that route, he talks about what does he say? Many bridgemen had trouble making decisions. The same happened to men who were shocked by battle. Kaladin felt those effects on himself. Even deciding to come to the chasm has been difficult.
1: Mm, it sounds a bit like PTSD
0: yeah it really does and like given that d- first description of, of his first run it makes a lot of sense to have PTSD
1: yeah but like he's also living it right now it's happening he said he he was on a bridge run earlier that day so it's something that he can't even escape from it's his reality right now
0: Right then in that space of his short little mental rambling we've arrived at the Arnor chasm the thing i had here that i was kind of curious about was a group of six rope ladders with wooden rungs hung here affixed to this affixed to spikes in the rocks used by bridgemen sent down to salvage from corpses that had fallen into the chasm during bridge runs
1: yeah that sounds like a horrible job well i'm just
0: i guess a little confused uh, unless the rope ladders are moved with the rocks, question mark? Or, like, because I just always assume, because they're running for so long, the chasm that they have to go to is not the one that they can easily walk to, right?
1: Yeah, the, it sounds like they'd have to walk a long time in order to get to where the last battle took place.
0: Right. But but the, but the starting point is back here at camp.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's my point. And I'm like, so they all start from here every single time, and they walk down in the chasm, actually to wherever they actually need to be, and then they pick up the bodies. Well... Or salvage from the bodies.
1: Yeah, it doesn't say they pick up the bodies, they're not as dignified as that. They are just salvaging clothes, or whatever else that's on the bodies.
0: Yeah. Like, I wonder if they really need the clothes from the corpses, or if if this is just another way to...
1: Beat the bridgemen down?
0: Yes. Because it doesn't sound like anybody else is doing this task. And I I really, really do doubt that they can't afford a couple of like new vests for the next group of Bridgmen.
1: Well, Kaladin didn't get a new vest. He got a vest and sandals that he pulled off someone else. Right. Another Bridgman who just died. So it doesn't sound like they are bothered in investing in new vests and sandals every time. Because, well, I mean, they go through Bridgeman so quickly anyway.
0: Right. But somebody is still sending them down there to go salvage, you know, those those clothes mm.
1: instead of buying new ones.
0: Yeah, I mean, we know Gaz is a penny pitcher, so shouldn't be a surprise.
1: Could be, uh, his superiors are also penny pitchers.
0: Could be. So you know, I I don't remember if we talked previously about the shattered planes and why they're shattered.
1: I don't think we've really discussed bar like ref referencing the fact that they're called the Shattered Plains I mean if you look on the map it's clear why they're called the Shattered Plains Mm -hmm. because on the map they're in the mountains Mm -hmm. but how they became that way no idea
0: well I just feel like we spoke about something the way Kaladin was speaking about some of the chasms it felt like it was something huge that like like a meteor that landed and created all of these chasms type thing but and then, the ne- next paragraph it says the land had been broken and now it broke the people who came to it so i felt like it was a little interesting
1: yeah it's what broke the land was it a meteor i mean that's a pretty good guess well
0: i don't think a meteor will do enough impact that it's like this whole thing where it takes people mm. so long to run
1: across 'Cause it's broken into so many smaller pieces. I think water over thousands of years is how it's normally done here on Earth. And like a semi like an arid type climate. So the water erodes away over thousands of years and then the arid climate just dries up the land. So it cracks and you get the likes of the Grand Canyon. Could be that. Please correct me if that is not how the Grand Canyon is formed. It has Uh, been a while since I've been in geography class.
0: (laughs) I am pretty sure the Grand Canyon was the movement of tectonic plates.
1: Ah, yeah, I forgot that you were all tectonically active. Yeah. Let's see okay okay so 60 million years ago the rocky mountains and the entire colorado plateau which the grand canyon is part of rose up from tectonic activity after the top layers of rock eroded away the colorado river grew powerful and began to cut its way through the ancient rock living leaving the stunning canyon we see today so yes it was tectonic activity that pushed it up and the rivers that eroded the rock away nice so, is that the way the Shattered Plains would have formed? Tectonic activity pushing them up and rivers flowing through?
0: Possible, because we do have a lot of high storms, so there is a lot of water that could cause mm-hmm. erosion.
1: And the river, the water could be running off, creating all of that rivet. I wonder if the rock on the Shattered Plains is made up of different or softer rock than what they have the army camp on. Then we'll
0: we'll have to see.
1: Can I have a geological map, please, Brandon Sanderson? That might be asking too much. Um, I think I'm getting too much into this world.
0: Or maybe just enough. Yes. So then the next part, like, it's just that observation about the high storm rains being rich with nutrients, and that the storm wardens were doing research and showing that plants given stormwater did better than given lake or river water. (laughs) And the comments about why was it that scientists were so excited is. To discover facts that farmers had known for generations and generations.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> because, Kaladin, people need to write these things down before they're accepted as fact. This is why the internet is so powerful.
0: Yeah. I just think it's kind of hilarious because uh, we've definitely. all know some people who's like, I've always known that and science only just proved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Type it's thing. Like, yeah. But
1: sure, we've known that for a long time. How did you not know that this happens? And then. But it's, it just takes so long for science to actually do something and prove it. I mean,
0: I just found it funny because it's so relatable. We all know like people who think this way or grandparents who speak this way. And then Kaladin notes that he's rambling and he knows it. I mean, which is why we have these weird side, <laughs>
1: dis- yeah, side yeah. discussions
0: that we're having now, which is perfectly fine. But he says that his mind felt clearer now than it had in weeks. And it could be the clarity of perspective and how most men spend their lives thinking about the future, but he knows his future is empty. So he's just, I wouldn't say at peace with himself, but maybe he's accepted where he is now.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's accepted his choice, his fate, I think, making a choice, which takes him out of his current hell is giving him a sense of relief and peace of mind so that he he doesn't have the, all those extra worries and pressures that were on his mind previously. And he can then look back on his past and not feel stressed about it.
0: Yeah, and he's sitting there absorbing the raindrops and he feels those oh, raindrops, Oh, raindrops. Because right? that's the name Droplets. Of, Yeah, the name of the, the chapter. chapter. Hey... <laughs>
1: I actually really like how this name this chapter is named because of his rambling about the raindrops.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah sometimes we come I don't know there's moments I think when you're thinking of something or you know moments in your lives where you really identify with something and it's just whatever it is right you're like this is such a perfect thing and you just can't stop thinking about it. I feel like that's where he's at right now. Yeah. He's like This whatever I'm seeing right here, this whole nature of the droplet, feels like my life. You know, wildly out of control, heading in a direction that is inevitable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then his his quote that he says, you were right, father. You can't stop a storm by blowing harder. You can't save men by killing others. We should all become surgeons, every last one of us.
0: We don't need to be surgeons, necessarily, but we can all be healers. Or at least compassionate. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think that's the point he's really made.
0: Mm. Anyways. Kaladin is about to step into the chasm. And right as he's about to, somebody calls his name.
1: Mm. Well, before we get into that, actually, I have another little point that I actually wrote down. It's, he thinks back to the innocent days and decided that he earned his scars. But he wouldn't go back Yeah, to change them or to remove them. Like, he... I think he's very mature in that he knows that everything that's happened to him has changed him.
0: Yeah, the whole accepting himself as he is right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which is a very brave thing for anybody to do. Yeah,
0: to say, you know, this is the choices that I made, and not regret. Mm. And to say, I did this, and you know what? This is who I am now, and I can't be who I am now without making those choices.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then he 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 decides to lift his foot.
0: Yeah, and I think this part is interesting because we see her translucent form, right? And when she reaches him, she's shaped like a sky eel clenching something dark in its mouth. And then she switched to the familiar form that we used to picturing her as, which is a young woman with a dress fluttering around her legs. And in <clears> her hand she has a narrow dark green leaf at the point divided into three which is the Black Bane that he had previously.
1: There is so much to unpick from this. Yeah. Two paragraphs. The fact that Sale changes her form to suit what she's doing.
0: Is it suiting what she's doing? Like, why does she have to be a sky eel? Like, she doesn't have to be.
1: But it may be easier for her to carry. Maybe. But the fact is, she she appears to prefer looking like a young woman. Because she immediately changes into that form when she gets to Kaladin.
0: Yeah, I wonder if it's just, like, so she can communicate with him. But clearly
1: not, because she was in the Sky Eel form when
0: she yells Kaladin.
1: That's true. So is there sound actually being transmitted between the Spren and Kaladin, like sound waves? Or is Kaladin just able to hear her in his head? I think it's physically speaking. Okay, so the sky eel can talk. <laughs> no, you might be right. With with a leaf in its mouth.
0: <laughs> me, me, no, it, it can't be physical, right? It's just... Because then everybody would see him talking to her and he's spoken to her a couple of times without other people looking at him funny.
1: Yeah, many times he just he's just talking but he's never called out on it
0: yeah i think you're right must be mental yeah
1: it has to be mental but as well as that the fact is still in chapter nine she says she has to leave she doesn't want to leave but she feels she has to leave but what she actually does is she leaves to find blackbane to bring back to kaladin which i mean she she leaves to try to help basically and she came back And she came back, but that wasn't the impression that we were left with in Chapter 9, or what the impression Kaladin had of her leaving in Chapter 9.
0: Yeah, I feel like she's attached to him in some way, and because the relationship is so new, that if she's away from him for a time, she might forget. I would hate to call what still being awakened, but awakened like Mm. she would lose grasp of those memories and then you know fade
1: sure revert back to being a spren a wind spren but she does come back and she doesn't understand why he doesn't want the blackbane leaf or she thought she was doing good yeah and the fact of the matter is remember they traveled what weeks
0: Two weeks, maybe, for in the cart to get to here. And she carried the black bean with her the whole entire time. And she says, these things are heavy. And she just had such determination to bring it back.
1: Yeah, regardless of how hard it was for her, she was determined to do it. Because when he had the leaves, she thought everything started going wrong after he lost the leaves, basically.
0: Yeah, which is kind of naive. But the fact that she is so observant about it. Makes it almost sweet.
1: Yeah, it's It's a sweet dress, gesture from her because she's doing what all she can to try to help Kaladin and get him back to the way he was. Well, he's never going to be the person he was, but giving him... At least some will to live, I think. Yeah. Some kind of motivation. Yeah, yeah and a drive to keep going. And she also, she refers to the fact that I flew so far, I almost forgot myself, but I came back. I came back, Kaladin. Like, she herself can hardly believe what she's done. She can't believe it really, that she has managed to come back. But I think she's rather proud of herself for doing it. But Kaladin says, why do you care? <laughs> and she replies with, because I do. I watched you, you know, back in that army. You'd always find the young untrained men and protect them, even though it put you into danger. I can remember. Just barely, but I do.
0: I was gonna say before that, like, Kaladin realizes that she has no concept of what she's done fetching that poison Mm. only because she wanted to make him happy, and it says it was ridiculous and sweet.
1: Yes, I agree. It is ridiculous and sweet that she thinks getting him a poison leaf will cheer him up.
0: Going back to the whole naivety thing, like she doesn't know what it is. She doesn't know any better. She just knows that since he lost it, he just spiraled further down, not knowing like why he had
1: it with mm. him. Right? Yeah. The leaf gave him an option to do something, so when he lost the leaf, it was one of his choices taken away.
0: Exactly. He's, it, it made him feel more powerless and that things were spiraling more out of his control. I think it's what the leaf represent, what the poison represented for him personally rather than having it as an object. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It was the choice. It wasn't the actual effectiveness. Yes. Yeah. It, it could
0: have been anything else. It could have been a knife, it could have been a pellet, you know, it it wouldn't mm. have mattered. It was just it represented the choice, yeah.
1: Yes. But yeah, Syl's been around for a long time. She remembers him back in the army, but Kaladin didn't interact with her in the army. Right. Just how long has she been around? If she's getting memories back from before when she first talked to Kaladin.
0: Well, see, that's what she says here, right? They would have died more quickly without you. You made it so they had a family in the army. I remember their gratitude. It's what drew me in the first place. You helped them. You know, back, ex- circling back to what we were saying earlier about, you know, we should have all been surgeons or, you know, healers or being more compassionate. It's mm. it's having that that makes that like like I think that's what drew those men to him. And that gratitude is because he showed them compassion. And because he showed them compassion, like they
1: responded in turn. And yeah, he created a family. Exactly. So even in the army, Kaladin was doing the good thing. Right. Even if he feels like he has failed every single one of them. Yeah. Because he can't he can't see the good he did.
0: Right. And I don't think he understood the good he did from an outsider's or from any other perspective but his own, right? Mm. We all get the impression that when he was first doing it, it was out of this desire to protect, like you feel like he was making up for the one time that he did it and now he's repeatedly doing it again in order to hope that this is the time that it works out differently and that he can offer the protection to these young men, Mm. right, that he has been Mm. picking up. Um, so to him, I think it was a matter of redemption.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting that he sees all of his previous efforts as failures because he was offering protection and he doesn't see the fact that he also offered a family-like environment for these young men or just a sense of belonging.
0: Yeah. I was about to say that, that sense of belonging or making sure that, you know, these individual soldiers are being seen. Right. Yeah. I think that's the biggest part of it. It's so easy to be a part of the army, which is a part of this whole like machine thing that you you know, everybody assumes that soldiers are exactly this one, you know, ideal or this one mould and everybody's the mm. same. Um, what Kaladin did was say, Hey, we all have different personalities or whatever, but you know, you we, we are soldiers together. You know, yeah. and we all are gonna risk our lives together. And I think that com- camaraderie really is something that he created. And it's like we've seen in these army camps thus far, and we've seen from like his previous experiences, like this type of camaraderie is not necessarily a given.
1: No, it's not. It's something that only certain people will create. But yeah,
0: so, you know, still is saying, one last time, let's do it one last time. Right.
1: Yeah. You can't fail this time, Kaladin. You've said it. They're all going to die anyway. He has nothing left to lose. Exactly. By trying one more time.
0: Exactly. I mean, these people are all facing death, right? He's gone through an entire squad change at least once. Yeah, in three weeks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. These men are going to die if he does nothing. So why not try doing something?
0: Right. And I think... Too, it's like a difference of perspective to Sill, like everything he's done, it's to protect, it's to help. And Kaladin sees each attempt to protect as a failure because it doesn't get the result that he wants. Mm. Like, I don't know if it's he's just way more too idealistic or way too hard on himself. Maybe a combination of both.
1: Both. Um, it's both. Yeah. Because what Sill sees is someone who is very compassionate, and I think she's right.
0: And she's right because theres he thought of himself crying at the death of a boy he hadn't known. A boy he hadn't even tried to help. So he he does mourn the death of the people around him and that's the crux of it, right? He didn't even try to help and yet he still feels... He still mourns them. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
1: So yes, he should at least try. And he decides to give it one more try. Yeah. Which...
0: I mean, he clearly can't stop himself from caring. So mm. <laughs> might as well make some use out of it, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And he goes back to the camp. And I, do, I don't know if this is the complete... If this is the justice we were looking for, or the, the karma mm-hmm. we were hoping for for Gaz. But he does put Gaz back in his place. Right. Like, and you can see the complete change in him. From before, uh, when he was heading to the honor chasm, like he he barely gave Gaz a glance. Mm-hmm. It it was like he this guy just didn't exist for him. And then on his way back, it is a I am going to tell you what you are going to do for me, right? And you are going to do it. So listen up.
0: Yeah, you know, there's a bunch of things. But a cornered animal is more dangerous. Well. While- now Kaladin knows he has nothing to lose, and he doesn't care anymore. Like he's going to do whatever he's going to do, and he dies doing it fine. And that's yeah, when you're at your most dangerous because there's nothing you're not willing to risk.
1: Yeah, basically, there's nothing to hold you back.
0: But you know, Kaladin just doesn't whip him. He also like starts with the stick. No, he gives starts him with the, the stick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> gives him the carrot.
0: Carrot, <laughs> take some of the wages. Like, his, it's it's a bribe. Take some
1: of my pitiful wages <laughs> to stay out of my way. I think they both win in that case. They do. Because Gas just wants the money. Mm-hmm. And Kaladin doesn't have to deal with Gas then. Exactly. Win-win. And
0: exactly like what you're saying, how Kaladin knows he can't be who he was before when Syl was watching him. But that he can take from his experiences and become somebody new who's capable of doing much the same things, if not more.
1: Mm, Exactly, he can learn from his past, from the person he was in the past and use it to make himself into a better, but like mentally stronger, emotionally stronger person.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is how he has to set it up in his head, right? He's like, Mm -hmm. this is Kaladin Stormblast you know that squad leader that brilliant well-beloved you know amazing spearman Mm. but he's dead like the that's the way he has to see it that is old me like Kaladin Stormblast dead I am now Keladin Bridgman and you know what I have those experiences but I am not him
1: yeah yeah exactly he has to become the person he is now in his current circumstances But I think he's going about it the right way because he goes. the first thing he does after, you know, bribing Gaz is he convinces all of the bridgemen to give their names to him. So he knows who each of them are. And
0: that's kind of what we were talking about with the whole compassion thing, right? Mm. Just he's laying down the foundation. Someone else now cares enough Mm. to know their name, that they're just not going to be fleeting. And even if they were then at least this one person knew their... Knew your name. Not not just know their name, but know their ending. Like, if they're going to die, then at least somebody will know that they died. And if they have family or if a, a list ever came around asking for who died or how many people died and what, then at least they will know that they are remembered.
1: Yeah, exactly. At least one person knew them and knew what happened to them, which is him being the exact person he was in the past. Yes.
0: And, you know, he's feeling a tiny bit of warmth burning inside of him, right? And he says, it is the warmth of decisions made and purpose seized. It was responsibility. Mm. So I don't know if he needs to have responsibility or if he needs to have people to protect. To call his own, you know?
1: Mm. Well, I would point out that he gave himself this responsibility. So it's not that he needs responsibility thrust on him. He himself needs to take responsibility for something. So protecting people, protecting these men, is a responsibility that he wants. Yes, to that.
0: And also, like, I wonder if it's also part of how he identifies himself, too. Mm. I am now the protector of these people or not necessarily he sees like again he might not see himself as a protector but i am now responsible for these people here
1: yeah because he is now the leader of the of bridge four he feels like he his his responsibility is bridge four it's the man of bridge four yeah
0: having i don't know people dependent on him or having the squad to call his own for him to like try to improve the lots right Like his, his Mm. most immediate goal isn't going to be like, oh, let's aim to be the best bridge running crew, whatever. No, it's literally like, I just need to make sure these people whose name I've just asked and I've just acknowledged that are part of my, you know, bridge crew, they need to live to the next day. Yeah. then they're going to need to live through the next battle like this is going to be his mindset right it's not like okay I'm going to look ahead and think about the days where we're no longer for him like a slave uh, or no longer part of the bridge crew it's no we're just going to try to survive as long as possible
1: yeah yeah which is realistic yeah to be fair
0: yeah, but I like I said, I like I wonder how much of his identity or how much of his personality is related to this need to have people to look after.
1: Hmm. Yes, because it does seem to be his drive and his motivation to keep going is to be responsible for people. Mm-hmm. So it must make up quite a large bit of his of what he thinks is his core reason to be here. Is that the right way of putting
0: it? I don't know. Like, it's not reason, and it's not really... Like, I wouldn't even say it's personality. I think it's just who he is. Like, he cannot help himself. I feel like when he doesn't have people for him to look out for is where he starts losing who he is. Kind of like for, you know, still Like, without the relationship to Khaled and sustaining her, it's like she could lose herself, right? Yeah. And I feel like Kaladin not having somebody to take care of or having people to call his own might be a part of that. You know, he's so touched when Syl comes back with the Black Bane, right? Mm. And we talked about his sense of loss, his final thing when Syl leaves him. Like, he has nobody at that point. But I feel like in having Syl come back to him, he realizes, like, I'm not alone. Yeah, he wasn't quite to the point of, like, I'm going to take care of everybody in Bridge 4 without her convincing him to do so. Like, he was going to do that voluntarily. But I felt like when she comes back, it gives him a sense of hope and happiness and warmth. Mm. Because this was his whole thing, right? He, If we say that he needs to have people to look after, then maybe he also is expecting to be looked after and return in some way and so when she comes back she ignites in him that hope and that realization like oh it's two of us in a relationship like it's just not me like providing this person or in this case providing sill whatever it is he's providing like in in their like his, she's tied to him in some way it's in his actions or maybe who he is i don't know but when she comes back i think it triggers something in
1: him yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And for chapter nine and chapter eleven, because Kaladin is going down a very bad mental spiral, I like I wouldn't even consider him to be a reliable narrator in those chapters.
0: The narrator itself is very biased.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean you can see it in what Syl even says to him that his interpretation of things is not the correct one right? due to his mental state and there's
0: also, remember that first initial introduction of Kaladin from Sen's perspective, right mm. so it's hard to like I guess marry the image of what Sen saw, because that was our first impression of Kaladin to Kaladin's thoughts and his downward spiral and how he views the world and then we have this introduction of Syl who's kind of otherworldly in the sense that she doesn't quite fit in with the world either like the world itself that Kaladin is used to seeing and then she's not a part of you know something it's not a part of our world so she just feels so foreign to us and she clearly has a purpose for being there and nobody knows what it is like Kaladin himself Even doesn't, know, doesn't know she doesn't know we don't know there's like there's nothing we're all on
1: this road <laughs> together trying to figure it out
0: exactly exactly so there's i mean like i said it's it's great because it's that sense of curiosity that sense of like why is this happening it's because it's a mystery mm-hmm. and we want to know it really helps to drive i guess the story forward yeah it's not just like the curiosity around Sil, but like at some point when you see these like thoughts and this feeling of failure from Kaladin, it's like you can't help but hope that he leaves that behind him, right? Because yeah. I'm sure all of us have felt the feeling of failure, like that you've done something wrong and it's terrible and you should just stop and give up. And at the end of the day, we we just keep going, right? And it's how we keep going that we're just trying to find the answer and this is i don't know what the right answer is for kaladin either clearly we have high hopes for him because he decides he's going to be the bridge leader for bridge four but i think a lot of us in our moments of failure see or identify with where he is at and you can only hope for him to get better
1: yeah exactly because when you see it in texts in novels and movies and tv shows it gives you the vision of what you c- can do like you're not always going to be stuck the way Kaladin was Kaladin has, is managing to forge a path out of that yeah
0: well i also think there's a lot of power in acknowledging that failure and what it really and kind of i guess explore what that failure could do to a person's yeah. mental state because even sometimes it's it's a very um, uncomfortable topic to be on when you're so vulnerable there's very few people who would say look at me i'm in this moment of hurt and i don't know what to do and you're completely open with your barriers down right Mm -hmm. to see kaladin where he is with all his barriers down and then seeing Sil make this contact of being just sweet and doing something just to make him happy we see the impact of that and i think it's just a great reminder that you know all of us sometimes just need a helping hand
1: yeah no we do sometimes it can just take one person yeah holding out a hand and saying i'm here
0: yeah it doesn't need to be anything crazy i know some people are like oh well i don't do well with tears or i don't give hugs and it's like you don't have to you just have to Mm -hmm. show up You know, yep. and however yep. you decide to show up, if you show up with, you know, a six-peck of beer, then it's a six-peck of beer. If you show up with a tub of ice cream, then by all means,
1: <laughs> you know, eat the ice cream. <laughs> show up with a tub yeah. and some spoons. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and if you show up and you got nothing but a hug, you know what? You're there. And if
1: they don't want a hug, mm-hmm. then at least you're still there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: I think there's a there's
1: power in that.
0: Yeah, I think it's we always hear about, you know, oh these people are making difference. They're surgeons and did this operation to save lives, or they, this other person. They did this big
1: grand gesture and yeah, all of that. Yeah, and it's it's
0: the everyday kindness I think has the most impact.
1: It's it's what really keeps
0: people going. Right, like literally, still showed up because she with a piece of a plant that she thought made Kaladin happy. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she didn't even know what the plant was.
0: Yeah, so or what it did. Yeah. It's just a lot of things. Oh, somebody remembers your birthday. Oh, somebody remembers you like this particular like coffee type, so you know, mm. they thought about you and they texted you saying, "Hey, I saw this bag of coffee and it reminded me of you." Um, it's Mm -hmm. it's little things to have people know that they're thinking about you maybe that's part of why Kaladin feels like he's failed extra hard because he's thinking I need a grand type of gesture and I need to be at this specific Mm. level versus it's the little thing like taking the time to show that he cares to learn the name to learn
1: their names yeah and (laughs) that
0: means the world to these bridgemen who's felt like the world's turned their back on them, that the whole experience is designed to break them and destroy them and, you know, and they're going to (laughs) die because they see death around them all
1: the time. But him taking the time to just learn their names, it's the first step in recognizing them as people. Right. um, People who deserve to live.
0: Yeah, people who deserve care and attention and deserve acknowledgement and therefore a place in this world and. In this army you know
1: exactly that's all for this week join us next time where we discuss the first set of interludes
0: if you enjoyed this episode please share this with your friends and follow us on twitter or on instagram at b n podcast to get episode updates if you extra love us please leave a review wherever you get your podcast to help spread the joy